This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We start off tonight with a Western. Now, as a kid, I remember strapping on that gun belt with two holsters holding bright, shiny, and almost real-looking six-guns. I'd parade out in front of the long mirror in the hallway, first looking at the tough hombre looking back at me. Then I'd kind of glance sideways with an eyebrow arch and a bit of a sneer plastered on my face. Okay, tough guy, I silently mouthed. Just go ahead, make a move, you'll find out what it means to be shot dead by the fastest gunslinger in London, Ontario. And then five times out of six, I'd drop the gun on the floor. Well, I bet there are other guys out there right now who remember pulling the same stunts and living the dream of being that guy. Now, I could name off a list of my heroes, starting with Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, and John Wayne, but the one guy I always really admired was Audie Murphy. Now, remember him? He was so damn good-looking. He, he appeared more than 40 Westerns, but that was after this young Texan became the most decorated U.S. soldier in World War II. Though he was only 21 years old at the end of the war, he had killed 240 German soldiers, had been wounded three times, had earned 33 awards and medals. Unfortunately, he never did any radio show, so I'm going to have to switch my attention to Guy Madison who played Wild Bill Hickok opposite Andy Devine, who was just excellent in the role of Jingles. Now, Wayne Mosley was an actor using the stage name uh, Wayne Mallory. In 1944, he was visiting Hollywood on leave when his young Navy man's good looks and physique caught the eye of Henry Wilson. He was the head of talent at David O. Selznick's newly formed Vanguard Pictures. Now, Wilson was widely known for his stable of good-looking, marginally talented actors with unusual names that he'd bestowed on them, and he immediately rechristened Mosley as Guy Madison and cast him in a bit part as a sailor in Selznick's Since You Went Away back in 1944. Well, following the film's release in 44, the studio received thousands of letters from fans wanting to know more about him. In 1951, he was cast as the title character in the television series The Adventures of Wild Bill Hickok, co-starring Andy Devine as his pal Jingles. The series ran for seven years. During the run of the show, 16 feature films were released by Monogram Pictures between 1952 and 1955 that were of the combined episodes of the series. So, let's hear Guy Madison as Wild Bill in the episode... Sir Tommy, the Silver Knight. Opening number one, take three. Wild Bill Hickok! Hiya, folks, hold on to your hats and pass those Kellogg's sugar corn pops. 
because here comes Guy Madison as Wild Bill and his pal Jingles, which is me, Andy Devine. I said sugar corn pops because that's what we're calling them now instead of just corn pops. Yes, sir, we got another rootin' tootin' Wild Bill Hickok adventure story for you from that great new cereal with the sweetening already on it. Remember now, it's Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops! Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops brings you Wild Bill Hickok, transcribed in Hollywood and starring Guy Matheson as Wild Bill and Andy Devine as his pal Jingles. When Christmas time came, United States Marshal Wild Bill Hickok and his saddle partner Jingles had many invitations to spend the holidays with friends all over the West. One year, they elected to accept an invitation from John and Mary Duncan and their young son, Tommy. It was just as they were finishing supper on Christmas Eve that strange things began to happen, which were to lead Wild Bill and Jingles into a terrifying yet wonderful adventure with Sir Tommy, the Silver Knight. Sure was a wonderful spread, Mrs. Duncan. You know, I just about forgot how good home cooking tasted. You're right, Jingles. Well, we're mighty glad you could get here for Christmas, aren't we, John? Oh, you bet we are, Mary. Well, where are you going, Tommy? May I be excused, Dad? It's getting late, so I better get started. But, Tommy, don't you want to sit up a little while longer? And, Mother, this is Christmas Eve. Good night, everybody. You mean that little scallywag just up and goes to bed without an argument? Yes, on Christmas Eve, he always does. I guess they all do that on Christmas Eve. They figure it pays off on Christmas Day. Yeah, Santa Claus knows when they've been good little boys. <laughs> I remember I used to do the same thing. Well, with Tommy, it's a little different. It's John. Not... Yes, Mary? I don't think we ought to talk about it, do you? Oh, now, Mary, don't you go getting all upset again this year. Is something wrong, Mrs. Duncan? You thinking Tommy's sick or something? No, it's it's a long story. Oh, John. There it is. I was hoping this year would be different. Easy, Mary. Hey, what's going on here, Bill? Take it easy, Ginger. Open up, John Duncan. You know why I'm here. Now, who's that bellering like a wounded bear? Ah, that's, that's Floyd Grudge from the next ranch. Come to collect his shares from me. Tommy calls him old greedy. Oh. Ah, it's about time. Evening, Mr. Grudge. Come in and welcome. Ah, you know I ain't welcome. Just give me my money that's coming to me and I'll go. Here you are. I've been expecting you. Sure you have. Always come on Christmas Eve, don't I? <laughs> kind of spoils your Christmas, don't it? I'll go see if Tommy's asleep. All right, dear. Uh, come in, Mr. Grudge. No, no, I ain't coming in. And something else, Duncan. You keep that kid of yours home tonight. I got my shotgun. If I see him wandering around my place all dressed up in that shiny armor tonight, I ain't going to be responsible for what'll happen to him. Every Christmas the same thing. Now, what did he mean by that? Shining armor and... Shh, Jingles. Here comes Mary. Oh. It's all right, John. I heard Mr. Grudge. I wouldn't go worrying about it, ma'am. We'll see that nothing happens to Tommy. Bill, I feel so much better now that you and Jingles are here. Maybe this year... Oh, I... I wish I could understand it all. Right now, Tommy's just lying there, eyes wide open and fierce like... Like he wasn't there at all. Tommy! Bill! Mother! Mother! It's Tommy. Come on. 
gun. What were those shots? It's all right, Mother. Old greedy grudge must have thought he saw something. Then why did you call me? I wanted to talk to Wild Bill and Jingles. Could they stay with me for a little? Well, we sure could, youngster. John, is he all right? Sure, he is, Mrs. Duncan. You and Mr. Duncan go on to bed. Jingles and I will take care of him. Well, all right. Thanks, Bill. Come on, Mary. Night, Mother. Night, Dad. Don't you worry. We'll be back early. Good night, son. And good luck, son. Now, young fellow, what's on your mind? But, Bill, are you forgetting those shots outside? We ought to go find out about them. I don't think so, Jingles. Somehow I feel that our business is right here. Don't worry about the shots, Jingles. Now, listen to me. I haven't got much time. Oh, sure. Where are you going in such a big hurry, Tommy? To Shadowland, deep inside people's hearts. Huh? How do you get there? You'll see if you're game to go with me. Oh, sure. We're game for anything. Well, I'm asking you man to man because I need your help. Help for what? Go on, spill it, youngster. Yeah, you got me all over goosebumps. Well, I've got a dangerous job to do before sunup, and I'm counting on you. But you gotta remember, we may not get back alive. Huh? Oh. Gosh, but this is a good story for Christmas time, isn't it, kids? Well, just because Wild Bill and Jingles are given out with a special kind of adventure doesn't mean i got to sit here and not say Merry Christmas, does it? No, sirree, sir. I'm going to say it, too. Just you wait. Only i got a couple of real smart tips for you young'uns who want to be sure Christmas is even extra good this year. Listen now and see if you don't agree with old Panhandle Jim. First, lots and lots of folks decorate their trees Christmas Eve. That's sure good family fun, too. Stand around, handing up the ornaments to mom or pop up there in the ladder. But say, kids, start handing up some of those delicious, mouth-watering Kellogg sugar corn pops. Zowie will the family go for them. Right out of the box. Sure, let sis string some for decorations, too, if she can keep you from eating them. Boy, they sure are good. Break out a box or two. Kellogg sugar corn pops. Yes, sir, that's Kellogg sugar corn pops. For the happiest, merriest Christmas Eve ever. Well, guess my time's just about out for right now. But I got more Christmas news for you, and I'll bring it to you right after Guy and Andy get this situation straightened out a bit. Now, back to Wild Bill Hickok. Wild Bill Hickok and Jingles, spending the Christmas holidays at the ranch home of John and Mary Duncan, received a strange request for help from little ten-year-old Tommy Duncan. He asked them to go with him on a dangerous mission to Shadowland, which he says is deep within the hearts of people. They agreed, and Tommy began giving them their orders. We'll have to leave right away. I'm already late. You both ready to go? Sure thing, Tommy. Anytime you say. Yeah, I'm raring to get started. All right. Now, to get through the pass, you have to say my bedtime prayers with me. Okay. You say it after me. I thank thee, Lord, for this day. I thank thee, Lord, for this day. I had a fine time at work and play. I had a fine time at work and play. I tried to be good and do what was right. I tried to be good and do what was right. Here we go now. Please stay with me, Lord, all through the night. Please stay with me, Lord, all through the night.
we made it. We sure did, partner. What now, Tommy? You must call me Sir Tommy here, Wild Bill. I'm the Silver Knight of Shadowland. Okay, Sir Tommy. Lead on. We'll follow. Here we are at the gatehouse. Uh, what ho? Who comes there? Hold. It's Sir Tommy, the Silver Knight. Yes. Where are the horses? Bill, it's Tommy's father. Who are these strangers you bring to Shadowland, Sir Tommy? Wild Bill Hickok. And Jingles, don't you know us? Shh. In Shadowland, Dad is the keeper of the gate and guards it against evil things like bad habits and mean temper and such. Oh, I see. Hey, hey, there's old Joker. Here are your mounts, Sir Tommy, and here are your weapons. Hey, and there's Buckshot. Steady, boy. All people of Shadowland, now hear this. Sir Tommy, the Silver Knight has returned to do battle with the giant of greed who lives in the Valley of Hate. He has come to rescue the Christmas lady from the giant's tower. Hey, hey, Sir Tommy, listen to that. They're all behind you. Shh, Jingles. Oh. Pray for Sir Tommy's good luck, or if the giant of greed is not killed before midnight and taken out of people's hearts this Christmas Eve, then the Christmas lady will remain a prisoner. And tomorrow will be a sad day for the world. All right, mount your horses. Here's my horse. Hey, Bill, would you look at Sir Tommy's horse? All white and sparkly. Boy, that's sure some horse. His name is Stardust. You ready? You said it. All right, we're riding for the Valley of Hate. Let's go, Stardust. I have a shot. Jump, Joker, you heard what Sir Tommy said. Ha, ha, awful place. It's worse than Death Valley and an African jungle put together. Not a very pleasant place at that. All right, stop your horses. Ooh, Buckshot, easy now. Oh, Joker, and watch your step. I don't want to get set afoot in a place like this. Who are all these mean-looking critters, Sir Tommy? They're all greedy demons. What are we stopping for? We have to leave our horses here and walk the rest of the way. Oh, now, Sir Tommy... I ain't much on walking anyway, but wading through these hateful-looking critters don't sound very good to me at all. Just stay close to me and they won't hurt you. Be sure you don't talk to any of the demons. Oh, well, okay, if you say so. Lead on, Sir Tommy, we're with you. Well, well, hello, Jingles. Huh? Oh, well, howdy. Oh, Bill! Yeah. Don't be afraid of me, Jingles. Oh, I'm afraid. I, I'm not a. I'm not afraid at all. Don't talk to him, Jingles. Ah, but Jingles, I have some nice things for you. Some nice candy. <laughs> candy. And chop pork chops and gallons of pink lemonade. Well, now I just might have a little piece of that old candy. No, Jingles, don't. Why, sure you will. Here. Right fresh from my palace of temptation. No, Jingles, don't take it. Oh, go ahead. Take a bite. It won't hurt you. Don't do it, Jingles. Oh, now, just one little old bite of candy's not going to hurt me. There, you see? Mmm, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's done it. He's gone, Sir Tommy. 
I got my partner. Yeah, the demon of temptation got him. Now I'll have to take time to rescue him from the dungeon. Where's that? Come on. He caught me with that trick two years ago on Christmas Eve. I know where to find him. Follow me. And now look what I've done. Oh. Jingles. Hey, Jingles. Can you come to the window? Bill, is that you? Oh, you found me. Thank goodness. Can you get me out of here, Bill? We can try. Don't make so much noise, Jingles. That demon will hear us. I hear you already, Sir Tommy. And you're not taking my prisoner away from me. Stand back, you sneaking coyote. You lay a hand on Sir Tommy and you'll answer to me. Bill, he's got a gun. Yeah. You got him, Bill. Now get me out of here. Sorry, Jingles. I'll get you out. You just do what I say. Okay, but say it quick before any more monsters come down here. All right. Say this. From now on, I will be a good boy. Huh? Oh, uh, from now on, I will be a good boy. And I will not yield to temptation again. And I will not yield to temptation again. Look, the walls are falling down. Thank you, sir, Tommy, for saving me. Yeah, and you'd better watch your step from now on, partner. Oh, I will. Cross my heart and hope to choke, I will. Okay. We're coming old Greedy's castle now. Holy jumping horny toads, Bill. Look at it, would you? It sure is a big one. And the walls are slimy and slippery. Whew. All brown and green. That sure is a mean-looking place. How are we going to get inside to rescue the Christmas ladies, Sir Tommy? I know the secret entrance. I found it last Christmas Eve. Oh, Sir Tommy! Is that you? There's a Christmas lady up there in the tower. Hey, Sir Tommy, she looks just like your mother. Christmas lady? I have brought some friends to help me rescue you from old Greedy. Hurry, Sir Tommy. It is almost midnight and the world is waiting for a happy Christmas. We are coming right now, Christmas lady. But first we must slay the giant. May God be with you, Sir Tommy. Come on, Wild Bill and Jingles. Through the secret entrance. We're right with you, Sir Tommy. Hey, it's dark in here. It's always dark inside somebody's heart when they're greedy. You're right about that, Sir Tommy. So, I see the Silver Knight is back to try his hand in battle against me. Me, the giant of greed. Yes, oh, greedy. I have come to fight you and rescue the Christmas lady from the tower of your castle. Hey, Bill. Ain't he a mean-looking critter? Oof. Just about as mean as you'll ever see, Jingles. Well, you puny little shrimp, you'll never get to me, let alone to the Christmas lady. Oh, my demons! Come out and destroy this little upstart! Watch out! Here comes his demons! Jingles, you take him on the right. I'll take him on the left. Look out behind you, Bill. I see him. Greed alive, Sir Tommy, and neither will 
fingers or wild bill hickok that low down sidewinder and this Christmas nobody's going to be happy I'll see to that they'll all be too greedy to have any Christmas at all <laughs> I guess there's always going to be people like Mr. Grudge, and I guess there'll always be temptations, too. If only all our temptations could be toward good things, things that are good for you. That's one thing sure about Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops. Sure, they're good, and they're good for you. But I was going to give you another Christmas tip, wasn't I? Yes, sir, here it is. By the time Mom and Pop and you youngins are up and ready to open your presents Christmas morning, there's too much blamed excitement for breakfast, isn't that right? Well, sir, you try this. You tell Mom to set out a couple of boxes of Kellogg Sugar Corn Pops last thing before she goes to bed Christmas Eve. By golly, maybe she better set one out for Santa, too. Everybody likes them right out of the box. They're swell even without milk, and you never add sugar. It's already right on them. Remember Kellogg Sugar Corn Pops. Well, partners, that's about all, except I want to say thanks for the nicest present we could get. You're listening every week to Wild Bill Hickok. Yes, sir, and I'm speaking for Guy Madison himself and old Andy Devine, Charlie Lyon, and all the folks here at the studio, right on back to the folks at Battle Creek where they make Kellogg's sugar corn pops. Yes, sir, thanks for being with us, and, well, doggone, just have the very merriest Christmas you ever did have, will you? <laughs> Sir Tommy, the silver knight of Shadowland, and Wild Bill and Jingles reached the stairs inside the castle of old Greedy the Giant. Then they were attacked by all the giant's demons. As they fought their way up the stairs, the giant stood on a balcony way above them and called threats down to them. <laughs> you will fail again, Sir Tommy! <laughs> can kill the greed in people's hearts. I'll show you. Put them off, Bill and Jingles. I'm going after old greedy. No, wait, Sir Tommy. We'll all go. Yeah, let me get ahead. Now, all together. How are you coming, Jingles? Fine. Now, get out of here, you pink and black salamander. Bam! Good work, Jingles. We've got them on the run. Hooray! They're running away and leaving the giant all alone. Oh, come back here, you demons! No, no, Sir Tommy. Don't come up those stairs any closer. I'm coming after you, old greedy. No, stay back. Sir Tommy, how about let me take care of this vomit for you? No, Bill. You and Jingles have helped me enough. From here on, it's my battle. Bill, did you ever see such a fighter? No, partner, I never did. All right, Sir Tommy, go get him. We'll stand by if you need any help. Okay. I'm coming for you, old greedy. <laughs> no, no, get away from me. No, no, Sir Tommy, stand back. It took me five years to get to you, old greedy. Now, fight. <laughs> take that for spoiling Christmas last year. And take that for the year before. And for keeping the Christmas lady in the tower. Take the 
great big giant all by himself. Old Greedy's dead. Now nobody's going to be greedy anymore. Here, he dropped the key. Let's go find the Christmas lady. Yeah. She ought to be in one of these tower rooms. Oh, Sir Tommy! Here I am! Sir Tommy! I hear her calling you, Sir Tommy. Tommy! 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 Wake up, Tommy! It's Christmas! Tommy! Come on, son. Look at here! What? Oh. <clears throat> Hey, Bill, the sun's up. Well, it certainly is, you sleepyheads. Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Duncan. Morning, Mom. Morning, Tommy. Bill, did you and Jingle sleep right here on the foot of Tommy's bed all night? I reckon we must have, ma'am. I don't remember going to sleep. Well, all three of you go and wash up for breakfast. And hurry, John and I have some wonderful news for you. Now, ma'am, we're all ready for that good news. Yeah, we washed and shined our faces and ears. Let's hear it. What is it, ma'am? Oh, now you three boys hold your horses. Go ahead, Mary Tom. Oh, it's it's just too good to be true. Well, if you don't tell us pretty quick, ma'am, I'm going to pop with curiosity. Sheesh, me too. Well, when we came into the living room to look at the tree this morning, there was a letter hanging on it. A letter? Well, from? Yeah, what did it say? Hold it, Jingles. Give her a chance. Well, gee, we are... Me too. Who's it from? From Mr. Grudge next door. And this is what it says. The silver knight was right. It don't pay to be greedy. So I'm figuring all the shares you gave me paid up the price of your ranch. The deed is in this letter. The land is all yours, free and clear. Merry Christmas to all. Now, isn't that a wonderful Christmas present? And he left that letter here during the night? I reckon he did. What do you think of that, Tommy? We got our own ranch now, free and clear. Hey, Dad, that's the best news I ever heard. He's not old greedy grudge anymore, is he? No, son. The greed is gone from his heart. That's real good news. I... I wonder what made him change his mind. Yeah. You know, that might be right interesting to know, wouldn't it? It sure would. By the way, Jingles, how'd you sleep last night? Well, I thought I slept all right, Bill, but, well, I'm tired enough this morning to have fought myself halfway around the world. Me too. (laughs) I must have had a real active nightmare. But everything sure looks rosy this morning, and I'm just busting to say, Merry Christmas, everybody! And now, here are the stars of Wild Bill Hickok, Guy Madison, and Andy Devine. And I'd like to wish all our friends a very Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. And that goes for me, too, Guy, and for all the rest of the folks on the Wild Bill Hickok Show. Meanwhile, Andy and I also hope you'll remember to get Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops. Right. That's Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops, the cereal you used to know as Corn Pops. The great new cereal with the sweetening already on it. You bet it is. Andy and I think sugar corn pops are great. So long. See you next week. <laughs> yes, sir. Be sure to listen when Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops brings you another exciting story of Wild Bill Hickok. 
starring Guy Madison and Andy Devine in person. Today's cast included Virginia Gregg, Forrest Lewis, Lou Merrill, Jeffrey Silver, and Jack Moyles. Our director is Paul Pierce, music by Dick O'Rourke. This is Charlie Lyon reminding you, kids love pops, moms love pops, pops love pops. Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for real-life married couple Jim and Marion Jordan to appear as Fibber McGee and Molly and the episode that was first aired in 1945. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. of Johnson's Wax for Home and Industry presents Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. just been reading a long letter from a serviceman's wife, and I wish I could read every word of it to you. Those of us who still live in our own homes with our own furniture can't possibly realize the discomforts and extra work many of these service wives have to put up with. This lady writes that the first thing she and her husband do to make an unattractive furnished apartment clean and livable is to give everything a good shining coat of Johnson's wax. Here are her own words. When I was back home, I never appreciated the expression, her house just shines, because all my friends' houses shone. Now I know that until my own things come out of storage, the Johnson's Wax shine on the furniture is my biggest link with the quality and cleanliness I hope for someday. It adds dollars to the appearance of any atrocity it meets, and a fairly presentable piece will respond in a way to make any girl sing. Please, Mr. Wilcox, keep right on telling them. The families I've moved in after are people who haven't yet heard you. Thank you, service lady. I'll do my best to get everybody to use Johnson's Wax. Barber is usually a bald-headed man who sells hair tonic. His customers are usually men who like their hair and the conversation cut short around the ears. Like the man in the chair right now, a Mr. McGee, a Fibber McGee and Molly. So I'm writing President Roosevelt a letter, see? And in it, I'm saying to him, Dear Mr. President, look, kid, I got great ideas. Yeah, now, look, Nick, you told me how... Then in my own handwriting, which I am dictating to my wife, because I don't write so somebody can read it, including me, <laughs> I'm going on to say, Look, I say, mm-hmm. the Army is needing plenty of ladies for a nursing. Is not? 
Yeah, but so also we got thousands of guys who are too small on the eyesight for the draft, or maybe they got seven toes on one feet or something. <laughs> so I'm saying, why not take the rejectees and make them into guys for giving sick people the pills? <laughs> yeah, but if you don't mind, Nick, I of just... course so far up to now, President Roosevelt, he don't sending me the answer. Yeah, which is all right. Mm. He's just as busy as me, I guess. <laughs> maybe I better send a telegram to the Memphis Commission and say, how about a shampoo? How can you give the Manpower Commission a shampoo? That question was not for the commission. You, I'm asking. Huh? Oh, I need a shampoo? Everybody's needing a shampoo at the regular periods of the interval. Are you different? No, I guess not, Nick. Go ahead. Only after you shampoo it, put some dressing on it quick, because I got a natural part in my hair that runs from one ear across my head to the other ear. See, it looks kind of funny until it's plastic. <laughs> yeah, smart my hair. <laughs> after shampooing, we all... Hey, wait a minute, uh... How much is a shampoo? Fifty cents? Seventy-five. What? Six bits just to wash a guy's hair? Those are the ceiling prices, kiddo. That we got posted on the wall because nobody can reach the ceiling to pull them up. Why, so... that's enough. <laughs> Why, that's a dirty jip. Seventy-five cents to whip up a lather on a guy's skull and rinse it off again. Why, you scissor bill. <laughs> you high-handed, low-minded brush bandit. I got a good notion to report you to the OPA. Now, wait a minute, Mr. McGee. Let's not lose our temperature just because... I won't wait a minute. Here's the four bits from my haircut, and you can take your shampoo and... The haircut was 75 cents, too. What? Another six bits for cutting off not enough hair to make a toupee for a tadpole? You got a lot of nerve. I'll wash my hair myself. Let me out of this chair. Why, George, any time you get me into this nest of thieves again, you'll have to threaten me more than with a razor. Well, just put the 75 cents on the counter then, kid. Okay, Mr. McDonald, you're next. Step in the chair. Mm, six bits for a shampoo. That's the dirtiest way to get clean I ever heard of. <laughs> so long, Dillinger. Six bits for a shampoo. Why, I'd shampoo the Dome of St. Paul's Cathedral for six bits. Compared with that guy, Jesse James was just a scared kid with a dry water pistol. I'll get his life. Six bits for a simple little shampoo. My gosh, I used to get my car washed for 80 cents. You must think I'm some kind of a yokel to sit still for a kind of a... All right, dearie, all right, relax. You're home now, safe with Mother. Hey, Molly, you know what that Nick the Barber tried to do? That ham-handed scout gardener tried to... He tried to charge you 75 cents for a shampoo. Yeah. And you stormed out of the shop and you're going to shampoo it yourself. Yeah, 75 cents for a... Hey, how'd you know? Well, the barber just called up. I lit the hot water heater right away so the water would be hot and you could shampoo your own hair. Oh, so he called up, did he? What do he want? He wants his apron back. Well, he... Huh? Here. Let me unpin it for you. Oh, my gosh. There. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. No wonder everybody looked at me so funny. Why, you look like a flat-chested Mother Hubbard, dearie. Hmm. I'll have uh, Beulah drop this bib off at the barbershop on her way home. Now sit down and relax. Gee, boy, am I embarrassed. Wearing that big apron all the way home. You must have really been angry, huh? Angry? One more word out of him and I'd have shoved his barber pole down his noisy old throat. Oh, dear. Six bits for a shampoo. Why, that's outrageous. I don't think that's so unreasonable. I always pay a dollar and a half myself. Though it's worth it not to have to sit there and hear the patriots talk about how much revenue the government is losing by closing the racetracks. 
Well, my gosh. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Hello, Alice. Hi, Alice. You've been out in the wind, Mr. McGee? Your face is awfully red. (laughs) Well, he had a little argument with the barber, Alice. He came home hotter than a depot stove. (laughs) Well, my gosh. Six bits for a shampoo at that barber shop. Don't you think that's ridiculous, Alice? Seventy-five cents? Yeah. Oh, it certainly is, Mr. McGee. They can't make any money at those prices. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, Alice, why he doesn't wash his hair when he takes a shower anyway. Except that he's usually singing so loud he couldn't hear himself ask himself if he wanted to. (laughs) Oh, I never hear him. But lately I've been so busy with my charts, I don't hear anything. What charts, Alice? You studying navigation so you can find your way home between the boys? (laughs) Hey, that's not so bad. Between the boys. You see, if you spell it B-U-O-Y-S, it's a play on words. Ain't funny, McGee. (laughs) I was kind of pleased with it myself. (laughs) What charts, Alice? Oh, uh, my astrological chart. Oh. I was casting some horoscopes for some friends. I'll do yours sometime. Hmm. Are you a Capricorn? Am I a Capricorn? I'm an elk and a legionnaire, and I'm mighty proud of both. No, no, I mean, what month were you born in, Mr. McGee? Well, uh, he was born shortly before Thanksgiving, Alice. And all white meat he was, too. (laughs) Oh, he's a Scorpio. What do you mean, I'm a Scorpio? A Scorpio is a big crab with a stinger in his stern. (laughs) And if you mean that I... No. No, no, McGee. Uh, Scorpio is merely the sign under which you were born. I was not born under a sign. <laughs> I was born five miles west of Peoria on top of Kickapoo Hill. <laughs> oh, no, Mr. McGee. Now, look. There are 12 different signs of the Zodiac, see? Is that so? Yes. And everybody is born under the influence of certain stars and planets, depending on what time of the year you were born. I think McGee was born during an eclipse of the moon, Alice. (laughs) He throws such a big shadow. (laughs) Oh, no fooling, Mr. McGee. It's very interesting. I've started to study astrology. Hmm? For instance, your horoscope for January warns that people born under this sign must not let themselves be imposed upon financially. Aha! You see, Molly, that barber was trying to impose on a Scorpio financially. <laughs> I knew all of it. Is Scorpio a good sign, Alice? Oh, Creeper is one of the best, Mr. McGee. Yes? Yes, but you must do as your horoscope says if you want to be happy. Yeah. You must control your temper, make allowances for other people, and follow through on any projects you have started. Like oh. washing your hair. Oh, is he going to wash his hair? I just washed mine. That's why I'm wearing this towel around my head. Oh, my gosh, is that a towel? (laughs) I was just about to tell you I thought that was the best-looking hat I ever saw you wear. (laughs) How long ago did you wash your hair, Alice? Oh, I just finished. I'd have taken a bath, too, but the hot water is all gone. What? The water I was planning to use for my shampoo? Now, just a darn minute, Alice. What's the idea? Uh, 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 Scorpio? <laughs> Control your temper, make allowances. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. McGee. Oh, forget it, kid. <laughs> it's okay. Far be it for me to stand between you and Glamour. Use all the water you want. However. However, what? However, if she don't want her pretty little neck wrung, she better light that water heater before I count to ten. One, two, three. I'm going! <laughs> and fascinating rhythm. (laughs) 
you think the water's hot enough yet so as I can have a shampoo it for It should be, dearie, although Alice used every drop of it, you know. Yeah, just like a woman. With three of them in the house, a man hasn't got a chance. Oh, now listen. Men are just as bad. Huh? When Uncle Dennis was staying here, he was always taking a shower. Oh, well, I didn't begrudge him, though. The only way he ever took water was through his skin. <laughs> well, my goodness. Oh, your water's probably hot enough now, McGee. Okay, I'll run up and have my shampoo before... Hey, tell Beulah to see that nobody turns off the heater for a while. I'll tell her right now. Oh, Beulah? Beulah? Somebody ball for Beulah? <laughs> I'm going to shampoo my hair, Beulah. <laughs> he got a little irked at the barber, Beulah. Thought he was being overcharged, so he's going to do it himself. Yeah, him. But them poor old barbers, they sure work hard giving folks the shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> they just wax their fingers to the bone. <laughs> Are you inferring that I have an ossified skull, my good woman? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but my cousin, he's a tonsorial artist, and I hear a lot about how hard he works. <laughs> well, Mr. McGee doesn't need a tonsorial artist. He had his out in 1928. <laughs> tonsorial refers to barbers, Molly. Oh. It's from the Greek, tonsolasi marabatorium, meaning the quickest way to a man's scalp is to take a shortcut. <laughs> well, for goodness sake. You university man, Mr. McGee. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he isn't, Beulah, but he has an unusually well-rounded background, though. Yes, and I can see there. <laughs> you know what that big razorback wanted to charge me for a shampoo, Beulah? <clears throat> Seventy-five cents. <clears throat> Imagine that. Six bits for a gob of soap suds and a dash of slamiel number five. That <laughs> don't sound like no overcharge to me, sir. Barbers give you a real good shampoo. My cousin say, phone me in and one day tell him he ought to charge at least a dollar. For customers? No, ma'am. For barbers. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. My barber's named Nick. And if he can't nick you with his razor, he'll nick you with the price list. Well, personally, I think barbershop prices are very reasonable, McGee. My cousin thinks so, too, ma'am. And he's ahead of his class in barber college. Get a degree, Beulah? Yes, a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. Oh, for goodness sake. Doctor of philosophy? No, ma'am. <laughs> Physiognomy is de-whiskered. <laughs> well, this isn't getting my curly locks beautified. See that nobody turns the heater off for a while, will you, Beulah? Do you want me to light it for you, sir? Oh, it is lit, Beulah. No, it ain't, ma'am. Excuse me. What do you mean? What? Well, I see the tank was full of hot water a little while ago, folks, so I embraces the opportunity to wrench out some window curtains. Oh. <laughs> you mean it isn't hot now, Beulah? Right now, sir, it's as cold as a walrus's knees. Mm-hmm. Well, light the heater again, Beulah. If Mr. McGee still wants the shampoo. You're doggone right I still want a shampoo. Though I don't know why I need any hot water. The number of times I've been in a lather today, I ought to be as pure as a bookstore in Boston. <laughs> he ought to be as pure as a bookstore. <laughs> Love that man. <laughs> This is a fine state of how do you do? How do you do? Fine. How are all the... Look, now, this... <laughs> this is no joking matter, Molly. Gee whiz, a man can't get enough warm water in his own house to steam a monocle. If I ever build another house, I'll build it in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Well, 
The barber's probably just as perturbed as you are, McGee. He thinks you stole his apron. Well, it takes a thief to catch a thief. I'll tell him when he can get it back. And he should live so long. <laughs> Hand me the phone. Certainly, Scorpio. Here you are. And wear it in good health. <laughs> Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me Nick's Barbershop at 14th and... Okay, Mert, how's yourself? Oh, dear. It is, eh? What day, Mert? Your brother. Dropped 1,500 feet out of a what? Heavenly days, McGee. Was he killed? No, just amused. <laughs> He's a movie out operator. Dropped 1,500 feet out of Gone with the Wind and nobody even noticed it. <laughs> what say, Mert? Okay, I'll call later. Fine's busy. Well, the water ought to be hot again half an hour or so, and you can get the shampoo over with, which will make me very happy indeed. Make you happy? My gosh, I've never been so exonerated in all my life. Everybody stealing my hot you water. You don't mean exonerated, you mean exasperated. Go on, exasperated is when your time is up. Like when the time limit on a contract has exasperated. Nah, that's expiration. I thought expiration was when a guy put on a pair of fur pants and went looking for the South Pole or something. Are you thinking of exploration? Well, then what does exonerated mean? Exonerated is when you have been found not guilty of something. Well, who's been guilty of snitching all my hot water? Me? <laughs> no, sir. Everybody else in the house has been the one. Oh, hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hello, Molly. Hiya, pal. What are you scowling at? I'm living in a nest of water pirates, Junior. <laughs> you think this was the Mojave Desert, the way everybody steals water? Well, uh, somebody explain the situation to me. I came in late. Well, uh, he thought 75 cents was too much to pay the barber for a shampoo, Mr. Wilcox, so he came home to do it himself, and every time he gets a tank full of hot water, somebody uses it. Yeah, the way people glom onto it around here, you think it was the dew off the last rose of summer. Hey, look, pal, you're getting very irritable lately. Huh? Last week, you were raving and ranting because nobody trusted your hand-picked mushrooms. Now you're sour-pussing around because you have to wait for a shampoo. What's the matter with you? Well, gee whiz. <laughs> McGee, Mr. Wilcox is right. Your temper is getting as ragged as a $2 retread. I can't help it. It's hereditary. If you think I'm nervous and irritable, you should have known my great-great-grandfather. Ooh, was he irritable? Why? Well, he was just impatient. Couldn't wait for letters to be delivered and answered. Couldn't wait for anything. Kept saying, why don't somebody invent the telephone? What's everybody waiting for? <laughs> What's that guy Bell doing anyway? Why don't he get with it? <laughs> they say Grandpa was a terror. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that bad temper should have smoothed out in three generations, pal. What if you do have to wait a few minutes for some hot water? What's 20 minutes or less in a lifetime? Tell him what can happen in 20 minutes or less, Mr. Wilcox. Oh, you don't have to tell me. Why, in 20 minutes or less, pal, a Johnson's glow-coated linoleum dries to a perfect protective finish. Yeah. Restores new life and luster to the faded and worn surface. You gave him that opening, Molly. Whose side are you on, anyway? <laughs> Say, listen, sweetheart, we're all on the same side. Aren't you happy with our product? Well, no, not too happy. It don't spell anything backwards. <laughs> I, uh, look, pal, I was merely pointing out that 20 minutes or less can be a happy little period of time. Think of the housewife who pours a little Johnson's blow coat out on her tired old linoleum and spreads it around with a long-handled applier. Then think how the world brightens for her in just 20 minutes or less as the blow coat magically gives her kitchen floor a new lease on life. You ever spend 20 minutes or less in a dentist's chair, Waxy? Certainly. And well spent, too. You were? No, it was. 
But look, I didn't come in here to tell you how to improve the shining hours, pal. Uh, Nick sent me. Who? Nick, the barber. He said to tell you to keep that bib you walked out with. Well, that was very kind of him, I'm sure. Yeah, he said Fibber could keep it till spring when he comes in for his next haircut. So long now. So he said that, did he? If he didn't give the best haircut in town, I'd never darken his hand towels again. <laughs> Bye, George. Hey, you think the water's hot again, Molly? Well, it should be, dearie. And this time, I don't think anybody will cheat you out of it. Well, they better not. The first mug, male or female, that lays a hand on a hot water faucet in this joint is going to get the... Come in. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Molly. Hello, Mushmouth. <laughs> Hi, Doctor. Hey, you look kind of bushed. What you been doing? Treating a centipede for fallen arches? <laughs> oh, same old routine. Get to bed at 3 a.m., phone rings at 4.15. 5.30, a new little taxpayer starts squawking as loud as a full-grown one. <laughs> at 7, I'm back in bed. At 9, I'm back at the hospital trying to be patient with patients who are trying my patience. Well, you certainly look like you could use a good night's sleep, Doctor. I wish my father and mother had been grizzly bears so I could sleep till about April. As it is, I'm in and out of the hay like a Nebraska pitchfork. <laughs> Don't you even get time to shave? Haven't for two days. Just stopped in here because my car broke down the next block. Take them half an hour to fix it. You know what? What, Doctor? I'd give my right eye. That's the one with the evil leer in it. <laughs> for a hot shower and the use of McGee's no doubt dull razor. Got any hot water in the house? Why, uh... Well, uh... Uh, hot water? Yeah, hot water. You know, that stuff you toss a bone in to make soup. Why, certainly, Doctor. As a matter of fact, we just heated a tank for Yeah, you see... Uh, I we... see you are two lovely, charming people. Mm -hmm. And now, if you'll excuse me, I shall run upstairs and swap the frame. If you hear a rusty clatter, pay no attention. It'll be my pores opening. <laughs> well, say it, McGee. Yeah, and go back to Vaudeville. You are the King's Man with the Whistler's Song. Whistle all the day, you will find the sun is shining while you whistle your blues away. Like a symphony of the birds and the bees and the sigh of the trees in the morning. Whistle all day long, the clouds on high will say goodbye and lazily roll along. Whistle loud and clear, all the world will be bright if you start the day right in the morning. See the sunbeams dancing around so happy and gay. Hear them saying, isn't this a wonderful day? Find the 
sun is shining while you whistle your blues away. Like a symphony, you will be bright if you start the day right. Like the birds and the bees and the sigh of the breeze at the break of the day, you will say it's a wonderful morning. Standing in the shower for almost half an hour, the old French begin. <laughs> hey, McGee, I helped myself to a couple of your clean handkerchiefs. I hope you don't mind. Where's McGee, Molly? Out in the kitchen, Doctor. You feel better now? My dear, I feel so much better that with a little luck, I can get through the day without folding up like a summer resort card table. <laughs> Thanks for the hospitality. Not at all, Doctor. And the man came to the door and said your card be ready in about ten minutes. Ah, it's a wonderful world we're living in, isn't it? As I told one of my patients who had sat on a darning needle, why worry? Everything comes out all right in the end. <laughs> What's McGee doing? Well, he's just sitting there with his shotgun across his knee. A shotgun across his knee? Yes. What's the idea? Going to flush a covey of quail out of the icebox? <laughs> no, he's just making sure that... Uh, well, it's a long story, Doctor. And if it's about your husband, I'd like to hear it. He's a fascinating little character. Well... It started in the barber shop. The barber was going to charge him 75 cents for a shampoo, and McGee thought it was too much. He would. McGee thinks no more of a quarter than I do of my third cervical vertebra. Yeah. And he came home to give himself a shampoo. But Alice used all the hot water, and he waited and heated some more. And then Beulah used all the hot water, and he heated some more, and... I get it. You got it. <laughs> well, my epidermis is more important than his scalp, if only because there's more of it. But what's this about the shotgun? Well, after you took your bath, he lighted the heater again. Now he's sitting there guarding it with his shotgun. He says anybody who steals this batch of hot water is going to be so full of lead, you could use them to write a letter to your Aunt Minnie. Well, I haven't got an Aunt Minnie, but my sister Gertrude would be happy to get a postcard. <laughs> tell McGee I'm very sorry that... No, no, I'll tell him myself. Where's the kitchen? Through this door? No, no, here. no. Please don't. What's the matter? That's the hall closet. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, sure. Uh, will you excuse me while I smoke a hot water pipe of peace with your bitter half? Well, I'll do better than that, Doctor. I'll come with you. Right this way. You know, it really has been exasperating for him, Doctor. And you know how he is when he sets his mind on doing something. I do indeed. He follows through like a broken garter. <laughs> Shall we knock? I do. <laughs> your best friend and severest critic, or reading from left to right, your wife and your physician. Okay, come in. Oh, hi, Doc. Feel better? Infinitely. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry I used your hot water, my boy. In extenuation, I can only plead my ignorance of the situation. I told him how many times you'd lost the hot water, dearie. No, that's okay, Doc. But believe me, I'm making sure of this tank full. Anybody lays a hand on this water is going to wind up as full of holes as a German treaty. Is your car fixed yet? Well, it will be any minute. I just dropped back here to say goodbye and thank you for a delightful dunk. Hmm. Well, I'll go out with you and see you get started all right, Doc. I don't think anybody will swipe this water now. I've warned them enough. McGee, now, please be careful with that gun. Okay. I'll just set it down here in the corner. Oh, Seventy days, McGee. Look what you did. What a neat third act curtain, my boy. Oh. You blew a hole right through the hot water tank. <laughs> Why, this is impossible. The gun wasn't even loaded.
certainly looks nice since you had your shampoo, McGee. Yeah, it sure does, doesn't it? And we're sorry we had to make you keep your barbershop open after hours, Mr. Nick. Forget it, sweetsies. I couldn't lock the door till I got out of here anyway. Good night. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow, it's My Favorite Husband, followed by Suspense. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.